0: Before we jump into the episode, here's a quick disclaimer about our content. The Remote Real Estate Investor podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice. The views, opinions, and strategies of both the hosts and the guests are their own and should not be considered as guidance from Roofstock. Make sure to always run your own numbers, make your own independent decisions, and seek investment advice from licensed professionals. Greetings and welcome to the Remote Real Estate Investor. So we're a little bit over halfway through the year when this episode is going out. And what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to take a look at some stats. We are looking at the Stessa newsletter. We recommend everybody subscribe to that newsletter where they have a lot of great sources of data. And what we're going to do on this episode is go through the data, talk about how it applies to our portfolio, our decisions on buying, selling and everything. All right, let's get into it. I'd love to hear before we get into it, um, what's going on, portfolio, all that good stuff. Uh, Emil, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, so I was uh, chatting with Michael the other day. I gave him the rundown, but the the Triplex, our St. Louis Triplex, we had the tenant leave who I mentioned to you guys, and it's been a month and we still don't have a bid in hand for renovations for this unit and so, just feeling, I was a little frustrated. You know, I had to call my property manager on Monday and just be like, "Man, it's been a month. Like, what is going on? Like, I've, you know, most people, you go through a turn. It takes like a week or two to get a bid, and then you start work. It's been a month, and we ha- we don't even have the the bid yet, let alone starting. And so, I chatted with him. He's let me know that he's contacted like five or six general contractors they work with, and everyone is either on vacation or. Or busy. I know right now is just, you know, a lot of people are flipping. From what I hear from people who do a lot of renovation, it's just really hard to get people in the trades working right now. So just rough, man. Just rough. Want this unit turned quickly. It's been a month sitting vacant. So that's one month, no rent. So, I mean, best case scenario, I don't know, at least another three, four weeks till this thing's even ready to be leased out. So, feeling a little frustrated, trying to be patient, but. It's kind of the update right now.
0: Is there anything you think you could have done different, like, I don't know, going back like a couple months from now? Or do you think it's just, just kind of what it is? I'd love your post-mortem.
1: I think there's always something to learn. I probably should have, like, I don't know, lit a fire under my property manager's butt a little faster and just, like you know, the thing, the thing that was tough about this one was the tenant just left. So we weren't prepared. It wasn't like they knew when the tenant was leaving. So they'd be able to just go in, do their inspections, look at things, send me video, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it should have taken this long. I should have probably, you know, the buck stops with you, you know, your property manager as good or bad as they may be. It's always up to you to kind of like drive things. So it's probably my fault for not getting on them faster and really driving them to to make this happen. So, yeah, I just got to be quicker.
2: Quicker on the draw.
0: Quicker on the draw. Michael, how about yourself?
2: So the big development project is starting to click into place with a bunch of big hurdles now having been completed. We had to bring in new power. So the city got Uh, had to be coordinated with and cutting into the sidewalk. And that all got taken care of, which is great. So now all the other trades can rock and roll. And then uh, I'm working on wrapping up, uh, I think one or two other units on an 11 unit that's getting rehabbed. So hopefully gonna get those leased out. Got some lease renewals coming up. We're able to push rents, which is exciting. And then I've got to get a parking lot, I think probably repaved or patched and then resealed at that same 11 unit. So that's a bummer, but again, kind of cost of doing business. So getting quotes for that. As we speak, and one was just like outrageous, and I was like fifteen thousand dollars to redo the parking lot. I was like, yeah, nope, not this year. So, uh, yeah, things are, are relatively humming along.
0: After you know going through a couple of renovation, it's interesting how some trades could have such high beta on the type of bids that they get. Like painting is one of them. Like. I I just did a big remodel at my house and like one of the bids was no joke, like $12,000 and the other was like $3,000. It's like, how is there such a gap between the Mm -hmm. two? I think some of the stuff is like more consistent, like cabinets and granite, you know, can be, but some of them there's just, just wild, you know, range in what they come in. I had the same thing happen when we
1: changed out the air conditioning in our house. We had three HVAC guys come out Two were like, 6,000 to 6,500. And then the third guy was like 13, 14 grand. And I was just like, you, you gotta
0: be kidding me, dude. Yeah, Like so far off from the other two. That's a good way to think about the time value of money. Like, you know, the extra effort in whatever hour or two or three of like getting that extra bid, like, you know, you're paying yourself basically, you know, in that example, like 500 bucks an hour or whatnot to, to, to get that extra bid, to get the difference. My, my quick update. So I, I just, closed a bunch of refinances and as things go with uh remote investing and investing in general you know just little little things happen so like my auto pay to my old lender clicked off when it shouldn't have when i'd already transferred my auto pay to my insurance went off and paid them so i've been collecting uh re- well contacting going through the phone tree of getting reimbursement checks from the funds that they you know took from me when they shouldn't have uh but successful though, it's, uh, it's just kind of an annoying thing to, to go through, but that's why you have reserves in place to, and, and patience to claw back that money that they auto draw, drew from your old vendors. All right, let's get into it. So uh, not a super long episode, but we're, we're going to go through, as I mentioned, the, the Stessa newsletter. You guys, really great newsletter. So uh, on this article that we're going to look through, just some stats and talk about how it applies to our portfolios, buying, selling, all that good stuff. So, uh, this is dated June 19th, 2021, and some key findings from the week median listing price has increased 12.2% over the last year. So between 2020 and of June and now 2021 of June, median price increased 12.2%, uh, New listings is growing, has risen 4% over the previous year. And the last two stats that I'm going to whip out is the total active inventory continues to shrinking, but it slid uh, just 42% from this time this year. Um, So total active inventory continues to shrink. Uh, And the last one is the time on market was 33 days faster. Uh, on average that seemed like a massive uh, decrease 33 days faster
2: that's insane
0: um, anyways i'm gonna go uh hot seat here on some kind of like takeaways from here so uh michael you'll i i went to be last so michael what are some kind of initial thoughts in looking through these stats
2: i just think that the appreciation that we've seen year over year has been outrageous and that just takes the average is that 12% or 12.1%. So that's not even accounting for some of the really, really hot markets. Well, actually, that's what an average is. It's exactly accounting for it. But in, if you're in a very hot market, you could be seeing well above 12%, uh, which is, which is crazy. It's, pr- it's pretty amazing. So we were talking a little bit before the episode about maybe some of the reasons to consider selling or maybe some of the reasons to consider refinancing and seeing numbers like that, I think are both absolutely indicators of hey maybe it's time to think about selling or maybe it's time to think about refinancing because uh, the values have skyrocketed and so when you have values going up and days on market going down and inventory going down i mean it's just a recipe for massive appreciation which those numbers are, are showing so i know that i i exited a, two properties uh this year one was a condo in southern california that was a six unit that i have talked about because of that fact the values had just gone up so much and I said, you know what, let's take the money. I can deploy it better elsewhere, get it outside of California to work harder for me. Uh, and I'm glad I did at this stage in the game. If the values continue to skyrocket for another two years, I'll be one of those people that said, Oh, I should have held out longer. But you can't, you know, hindsight's always 20-20. And if it, it goes the other way, then I'll be even happier that I did it. So it's just, it's something to think about. And, and we were talking a little bit before the episode about thinking about how the dollars that are tied up in property is actually working for you. And so there's a measure, a metric called the return on equity, which is something that you also want to be thinking about and calculating when you have a lot of equity in a property and determining, is that still a great investment? Maybe it was when you bought it, but if things have changed, which they likely do year to year in real estate, it's important to take stock of how is it performing currently and determine for yourself as an investor, is there additional opportunity that could be funded from that particular property, whether the form of a cash out refi or the form of a sale. And so I think it's important to, again, keep stock and keep tabs on what's going on in the market. So that was a really long winded way of saying, I think for those folks that have a lot of equity in their property, it could be an interesting time to consider a sale. And the, the opposite side of that coin is, okay, well, if you sell out of a property, now you are likely gonna go buy something else if you're going to do a 1031 exchange. And so if you're selling into a hot market, well, you're probably going to be buying into a hot market as well. Yeah. So have a plan for both the exit and then the subsequent purchase.
0: I like it. I mean, I was having a, a similar conversation on the Roofstock Academy, uh, the private Slack channel, where someone was saying they were getting these crazy high offers from, I think it, it might have been Zillow or it was some iBuyer. And by the way, I think that's a, a big reason, as, a, as a, has been a big input on the pushing prices up has is all this institutional money investors going in and buying prices i think that's you know not only providing a a floor but also just raising up because i I think that institutional and when i say institutional i mean like you know pension funds and other funds out buying rental properties is, is pushing prices up um where was i going i know where i was going so on the slack channel someone was saying like hey i'm getting this crazy high offer like above the appraisal like should i am i missing something am, you know should i sell whatnot and i i think the the appreciation appreciation is 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 real because of that institution and to that question michael was talking about you know should i consider selling uh, i think you should have a plan in place especially where if you're selling and you're not you're planning to use a 1031 um you know ha- know that you're going to do something with that capital instead of just kind of taking it out and putting it on the sideline so for me, you know, having a, a, a lot of really good appreciation in a lot of the markets that I'm in, I'm going to do some not sell the asset, but do some refinancing, like I said before, but still, you know, take place and being bullish of the continued appreciation to be seen. Uh, Emil, want to jump in talk? Uh, so some of the stats, all this thinking about buying, selling, all that good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I think Michael put it perfectly. I don't have too much to
1: add. Uh, I would just say that timing markets is insanely difficult. Like you may feel like, Oh, this has to be a top. I felt that way two years ago and look where it is now. Mm. Um, so timing markets is really tough. I think it's just, like you said, it's a good time to take stock. Maybe, uh, I'll use an example I had. So in 2020 I had, I was in four different markets and I was like, you know what? This is too many. I'm spread too thin across too many dealing with too many property managers. I want to be in less markets, which property am I most willing to part with? And so I decided to sell a property I had in Memphis to just be in less markets. So this, I think this is just a good time, especially with a lot of money flowing around to just like take stock and just uh, see which ones you want to hold on to. Like you mentioned, which ones you want to refi and which ones are just like, you know what, not all properties are made to be held forever. Like, let me just sell this while, while things are good so not too much to add there overall
0: yeah this is a home run if you're like near the end of your kind of investing career and just like cashing (laughs) out to either like live on it or whatnot you know for for us like I'd say we're still relatively early and want to stack more chips before getting out it's it's great you know it's it's such a two-sided coin because you know I want to go do more acquisitions and I'm in I'm having just finished the refinancing like I'm flush to go do some more reacquisitions more acquisitions but it's you know, it's it's just a much tighter market. But just to to Michael pointed out, there are some. It could be a good time to look into some you know other markets where that are not as you know wildly hot, and there's some good cash flow. Kind of depending on what your strategy is.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna veer. I'm gonna veer. So, so bear, bear with me. I think also in in kind of looking at the market conditions, so many of us have picked a lane an investing lane and have really stuck there because it's been easy or it's worked for a long time and things have changed. And so now I also think it's important to be considering alternative investment styles or alternative investment classes. And so if you've bought turnkey single family homes, that's been your lane and that's worked really well for you. Well, maybe now you're priced out of that particular asset class. So maybe it's time to consider a rehab or a slight rehab or a cosmetic rehab, because those properties maybe are less appealing to owner occupants. And so those aren't being bid up like crazy. And so that gives you a a slight advantage or a slight competitive edge, or you take on a much bigger rehab, or you go to a small multifamily or commercial multifamily because the owner occupants aren't going in to buy those to live in. So while it's important to figure out what works and what has worked for you in the past, it's also important to stay flexible and be able to pivot because we do find ourselves in pretty much uncharted territory. So I think it's important to be flexible with yourself. And even if you said, this is what I'm going to do, this is where I found my niche, it's important to not stop learning. Uh, But again, to be able to be flexible and pivot into something else. And also, I mean, that's not to say like, I was just going to say to kind of follow that up. And it doesn't mean that you have to totally give up on whatever was working for you previously, because who knows, this might be a point in time and things are going to change yet again. And so you can absolutely keep your your toes in the water, your finger on the pulse of whatever it was you were doing previously. It's not like you have to have blinders on and say, well, I did that. This doesn't work anymore. No, I have to go do this. No, you can absolutely just expand the purview and say, okay, well, this is what I was doing. Now it's not working as well. So let me go learn how to do this other thing. But also if that other thing doesn't work and the market conditions change, I can go back to what I was doing originally. So it's not an all or nothing. It's not so black and white, but I absolutely encourage people to continue learning, continue getting educated uh, and continue learning about what different strategies are available and what might be a really good fit given your current experience level, your current financial picture, and the current time of the market. So, again, soapbox, demount, dismount.
0: The last thing I'll add on is you know, we're, we're talking about considerations on selling and refinancing. That's not to say that you can't do acquisitions right now, but I, I would say it's just, you know, it, it, it might take. Evaluating a few more properties to find that one that hits your buy box uh, that you want to to own. Um, so there's definitely you know still opportunities for sure to do acquisitions. But I know um, just as things get a little bit tighter and prices are continuing to go up, perhaps it's underwriting a few more properties than you would uh, normally underwrite. Right? Just continuing to look at some some more volume.
2: Yep. Sometimes you got to get really aggressive with the legwork. To be able to, to get something to squeeze out. And then I mean, I think there's not enough emphasis that gets put on the third option between tapping into equity or selling. The third option is just like do nothing. And I think we always talk about like doing something. What's going on? What updates do we have? You know, what are other people doing in the market? When in reality, so much of the time is like literally spent doing nothing, sitting on properties. And Amelia, I know you talk about that in your in your cash out refi. I think it was your indie property. You basically got all your cash back because you sat on the thing for five years or four years, whatever it was. So oftentimes when the market is doing something exciting, whether massive high or massive low, we're, we we want to scramble to do something. Uh, but in reality, I think so much of real estate investing is is boring and is watching the grass grow. So don't feel like you have to do something. Again, I think we're going we're we're hitting this point multiple times, but just take stock of where you are and what it is you're trying to accomplish and see if there is something you can do. And if there's not, great. And don't feel bad about that.
1: I got a fourth option that goes against what you just said. It is activity. But uh What's that? think about sell everything. No, 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 not sell everything. Well, that goes under sell or refi. What what about reinvesting <laughs> in what you have, right? Like maybe you haven't updated your property in five mm-hmm. years, rents have gone up, right? You can Maybe you put 10 grand in the property and now you can raise it $200 and you can figure out what's my cash on cash return there versus going and having to buy a new property. Maybe you can get a better cash on cash by putting money in your existing property, updating it and just raising the rent. So that's, that's maybe a fourth option too.
2: No, it's, it's a great point. And that's, I've talked about it on prior episodes. That's what I'm looking to do kind of currently is to do more with less so to speak, in terms of acquisitions and unit count and all that kind of thing to streamline and make better the stuff that you already have, can likely pay dividends way down the road as opposed to going to buy something else. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. That's a really good point. To Emile's point, in thinking about how is that money best deployed and what kind of cash on cash you can get, for those of you that aren't familiar with how to calculate that or what that looks like, basically, if you take 20 grand, and you can go put it into a property, you can calculate how much is that gonna generate if you have a loan on the property or if you're buying it all cash or what have you. But take that same 20 grand, go put it into a property in terms of updates, something you already own, figure out how much additional revenue you're gonna be able to generate and then just solve for your cash on cash that way. So again, it's this, the math is the same, but it just involves a property upgrade as opposed to a property purchase. You're still putting money into a deal, it just happens to be one that you already own. So then you can figure out what the delta is in cash flow, and that's your cash on cash return. And so you can compare that against buying something versus updating something or upgrading something to determine what's the best and highest use of those dollars. And then, of course, you can decide, hey, this might not be the highest and best use, but I know it's going to be easier or I'm gonna probably more valuable or, or what have you. So really important to think about. It. And again, great point, Emil. All
0: right, well, that's the episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe all of that. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, happy investing.
2: Happy investing. Happy investing.